Coming up, there's actually talk that the ACC should give Notre Dame a bye week before the potential rematch with Clemson in the conference championship game. Also, Clemson has been decimated by injuries this season, but can the Tigers win an ACC championship without defensive tackle Tyler Davis? The fourth-ranked Tigers head to Doe Campbell Stadium to take on Florida State this Saturday in Tallahassee, but it's an FSU program that is struggling right now. What happened in Tallahassee? Why has Florida State become so bad? Also, what can we expect from Clemson on Saturday? How mad will the Tigers be as they come off their first loss in three years? It's time to talk Clemson football with former Clemson All-American and Pittsburgh Steelers great LeVon Kirkland. But before we get going, the NFL season is hitting the back stretch. My Steelers are still undefeated. Can they keep it going? Also, there's a huge matchup in the AFC West this Sunday as the Chiefs and the Raiders renew their rivalry in Las Vegas. What you need to do is go check out the action on Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So, head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, LeVon, welcome, buddy. How, how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing excellent, man. How about you? Dude, I can't, I can't complain. A beautiful day, it's fall outside. You go outside and you just – there's something different about football in late October and November – that it's yeah. just it feels like football season. You go out this crisp air, the sky's blue. Um, not doesn't it's seem weather. like there's really yeah, there's doesn't seem like there's any humidity. It's football weather, right? I mean, that's yeah. what it is. Of course, man. It's weather. Weather. That's kind of a <laughs> um, that's a tongue twister there. I don't know if I said it right, but yeah. I, I love this time of year. Uh, the the weather is great for football. I mean, it's not too hot, you know, the weather's just right, cool enough to play. And usually, uh, in normal situations, this is your championship time. This is when you, this is when you wear the orange pants and you, you, you turn it up another notch. But with the COVID, it's a little different. You know, it's, it has a different feel to it than it has in previous years. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm having a good time, enjoying it, man. Uh, man, Thanksgiving may not be the same though, without Why's the that? large gathering of family. Uh, yeah. yeah. But other than that, man, it's going well. Can't complain. Yeah, yeah, that's the disappointing thing about that is, is uh, you know, you know, we think about a lot of things that we miss out on with COVID and stuff like that, and um, you know, whether it be able to go to games, whether it be able to, you know, uh, how you go to the store, go to movies, things of that nature, go to the mall, things you kind of just took for granted before COVID mm-hmm. hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely one of the biggest things is family. Um, it's yeah. so much harder to see family now. You got to be cautious um, when you go, where you go, and if you're going, especially if it's somebody who's older or maybe has um, uh, a secondary illness that could cause issues. Um, you know, so there's a lot of things that uh, could cause that to happen, right? And and so you got to be careful going anywhere now and then with your family it's just even more so that you just don't want somebody um to uh, to get sick because you may con- come in contact with it and didn't know it and you maybe didn't do what you needed to do and you made somebody in the family sick it's even worse feeling i would imagine yeah it is it really is a a tough thing when you have older members of your family you have to be careful it's just i think that nowadays 
you, you know, you really are thankful for just the little things because the, we just took everything for granted so much. Now you're craving for, but, you know, I, I, I think that we will get, get through this and hopefully on the other side, we'll be better human beings and we will not only love ourselves more, but we'll definitely love other people more and treat them a lot better than maybe what we have. So I think it's a big responsibility for us once we get past this to be better human beings. There's, there's no doubt. And that's, that's the thing, you know, um, you know, people, you know, when things happen, you know, when, when you go through life and me and you're old enough to experience things in life, uh, all kinds of different ways. Um, when you go through life and you experience those things, you kind of learn from each experience. Um, right. And one thing you learned that I've learned is uh, your relationships with your family. Uh, that is the most important thing. And you kind of learn that you take it for granted when you're younger and you're like, you just assume they're always going to be there, whether it's your right. mom, dad, spouse, whatever you assume things, you just take it for granted. And when those people are no longer with you, it, it really kind of hits you and, 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 yeah. and it teaches you to appreciate every day and every person in your life and, and value that relationship because um, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. That, that's the one thing we do know for certain. We're not guaranteed anything. Hey man, we all have a, a aspiration date. That's for sure. Um, in my family, the last couple of weeks, we lost uh, my first cousin. Uh, they're from Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then we lost our aunt. So my uncle and my, uh, my cousin, Robert, they lost um, their, you know, my cousin lost his sister. My, my uncle lost his daughter. And then the next week he lost his wife. So, man, I think sometimes we think we have it tough and, and sometimes we don't. We just have to be grateful and thankful for all the blessings that we have. We really did. And, and that's what that's what Thanksgiving is truly all about, is being yes. thankful for what you do have at the moment that you're living. Um, and uh, one thing, man, is I'm thankful for my relationship with you, buddy. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, man. Get get to talk to you about football every week, and that's what we're going right. to do here, obviously. We're going to get into that. We, we don't want to get two people too somber because uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get – we're supposed to be talking football here, but and that's what we're going to do. And, man, I got to tell you, you know, um, today there's talk started with one of the Notre Dame writers, okay, mm -hmm. that he thought it might be a good idea. As you know, Miami-Georgia Tech game got pushed uh, postponed. The Duke-Wake Forest game is right now it's just been postponed. Could be canceled. Right. It could be played December 19th, uh, the week of the AC championship game. Uh, Miami's already going to play Georgia Tech that week if they're not playing for the AC championship. So this writer for Notre Dame thought, well, wouldn't it benefit the ACC if Notre Dame was just to go ahead and – let me go back here. Remember at the beginning of the season, Notre Dame – had some COVID issues and all, and they couldn't play. And they were mm -hmm. supposed to play Wake Forest that week. They moved around the schedule. Now they're supposed to play Wake Forest December 12th. Well, Clemson's off that week uh, because, knock on wood, right now Clemson's off because Clemson, knock on wood, has not had any issues. And um, so at this point in time, Clemson is scheduled to be open that week of December 12th. Right. Well, the writer for Notre Dame, he thought it would be a good idea since Clemson's already off to go ahead and give Notre Dame off instead of having to play Wake Forest that week. That way they guarantee that both teams are healthy going into the game. Now I got one problem with that. First of all, Notre Dame had to already reschedule that game. That's one. Two, mm -hmm. Notre Dame, if they do that, would play one less game than Clemson. And three, if Clemson already had to go through an issue 
that involved COVID-19 and that it took away their quarterback the week before a very, very big game, I think Notre Dame's going to have to man up if something happens like that and, 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 and accept it as well. What's your thoughts on all that? Well, uh, I can see his point if he was writing a drama, that he was writing a story that, yeah, you would want Notre Dame to come in undefeated and you would want Clemson uh, to want to have that revenge. But fortunately, we don't live in that story to, that storybook um, ending that he has going for him. And I, I, think you, I think it's a little bit of arrogance to want to request that. Uh, like you said before, they had a canceled game. It was, you know, December 12th is when they're going to play that game. So, you know, they're going to have to suck it up by the cup and play that game. And if, if they're still there, they get an opportunity to play the Clemson Tigers and we'll, we'll figure out who's a real champion at that time. So I, I think it's, I think it's really ridiculous to put it out there. Maybe he was putting it out there. So guys like ourselves will be talking about it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't see that scenario happening at all. Yeah. And plus poor old Wake Forest, right? Because, you know, they, you know, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, they play, they'd probably like to play Duke. It's a rival and things of that nature, but they don't get to play Notre Dame that often. Right. And I'm sure they would, their players would love to just play Notre Dame and have Notre Dame come into their house. You know, I think that would be something their players would look forward to sort of like a, an extra bowl game, if you will, um, something they don't normally get to do. Right. And so, you know, why, why take that away from them just because you're trying to make Notre Dame happy. And Oh, by the way, Notre Dame's not even a full-time member of your uh, conference yet. So let's, why are we going to give them an extra benefit? Well, I, I think Notre Dame has been Notre Dame for a, such a long time, especially with the name recognition that they have, that I believe that they feel like they're truly blue bloods and that they deserve that kind of privilege. And you're right. If I'm the ACC, um, I, I kind of feel a certain way about you coming in for the one year and um, using the ACC to be a part of the championship picture. So right. I would definitely be like, no, nah, they don't get a buy at all. Not at all. We, you're, you're fortunate that we let, we let you in in the first place, and now you're trying to rub it in our faces in some type of way and ask for, you know, a, a privilege that you shouldn't have. I mean, that's like somebody letting you in their house and you go in there right away and start opening up the refrigerator looking for food. I, I think that's, um, I think that's rude. <laughs> I think that's uh, a lack of manners. And I feel that way. But like I said before, this reporter was probably trying to get a rise out of all of us and to put that story out there. So, you know, we can talk about this, this being so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, he got a rise out of me. That's for sure. Because there was, uh, <laughs> I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, there was, um, it was, it was, we had a good little message going, you know, when one of the other guys that covers Clemson, he was, he was on there saying, well, this will be a good thing for the ACC because they can make more money. And it's, you know, that's what it's all about in the end. And I'm like, yeah, but at some point you got to have some integrity about you. And right. if one team plays 10 games and the other team was scheduled to play 10 games, but then you decide, well, we're going to let not have, let them have to play 10 games. We're going to let them just play nine after the said first team already had had to go through a difficult situation when they played Notre Dame and they didn't get a bye. 
I think, you know, you kind of like, you know, you're dealt the cards. You're, you you got to play the hand you're dealt, right? And, you know, right. Clemson already played theirs, and they're going to play their schedule out. And as long as everything goes okay, Clemson will have December 12th off. And Notre Dame already used theirs because everything didn't go okay. And they had to use that day that the ACC put in there for that reason to say, okay, we're going to move you here to December 12th to play this game. And I know the championship's December 19th, but that's just the way it is. You know, and by the way, during a regular year, if there wasn't COVID, there would be no bye week for anybody before right. an ACC championship game. So, you know, the ACC's already kind of giving you an, a, a, that game, that ability to play that game. When, but four years past, you would have had, a, you would have lost that game. So, it is what it is. Let's take it. Let's move on, right? Let's let's play it. Yeah. Sometimes you have to deal with what you have to deal with, the hands that you're given. So. I think I see that the case, and I don't really buy into the argument is it's going to make more money. I, I don't see I think if you have both teams coming in healthy, it's going to draw. <laughs> it's going to draw a lot of attention anyhow because it's Notre Dame and it's Clemson. You know, Clemson has been on a tremendous run in the last 10 years or so, and Notre Dame, you know, throughout their history has been Notre Dame. It, it has been – what everybody thought is the standard. So having those guys back in the picture again, having Clemson constantly in the picture, it's going to draw some attention. Even the game that, you know, played a couple of weeks ago without Trevor Lawrence was the biggest game of the week. So I can imagine uh, if both teams come in, there pretty healthy. It's going to be a big game. So the money thing is not going to be a problem or an issue. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and and everybody's worried about getting two teams. I guess, you know, they're saying, well, there's a possibility they play weight, they could lose, and that means the ACC only gets one team in but into the college football playoff. But I'm like, if they lose to Wake Forest – Then they don't deserve to be there. They, then they, they don't deserve to be in the college football playoff anyway. So, right. I mean, let, I mean, Clemson's one loss is to Notre Dame. So, if Notre Dame were to lose to Wake Forest, that's on them. That has nothing to do with Clemson and, and – I don't think you give them an advantage over Clemson just because you're worried about it could cost the ACC an extra team in the college football playoff. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they would take care of business against Wake Forest, and you'll go in, and Clemson, they'll be undefeated. Clemson will be one loss. The winner goes to the playoff, and if Clemson is the winner, then Notre Dame probably going to go too. So yeah. if you're Notre Dame, you're in a win-win situation So in that, in that scenario. So, um, you know, I say go ahead and don't worry about things like that. Just play the games that are in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, the, the whoever put that out there, put it out there to see how how much it would stick. I can see where you – I can see where you, that may bother you because it just seems very unfair. And, you know, I also feel that it would be unfair. Yeah. It would be unfair to say, okay, let's rest Notre Dame when they haven't really been a member of the ACC that long. And this game was already – the Wake Forest game was already scheduled. You play the game, especially during this time. If you can play games, you play the game. And that's just the way it is, man. You don't really – I mean, you're not supposed to get that rest. You're supposed to be ready to go the next, the very next week. Um, we, You know, Clemson can also say that, man, it wasn't fair that Trevor Lawrence and Tyler Davis and all those guys didn't play, but we had to play. Right. It's, a, it's the same difference. Exactly. Well, you know, I'm a get off your lawn kind of guy. Get off my lawn kind of guy. So, um, right, man, get you, off you, my lawn. I get fired up, man, and everybody <laughs> knows that. Uh, <laughs> knows me. I'm a, it doesn't take much to trigger that to come out of me very fast. And those emotions, man. Yeah. The <laughs> I ugly, love it though. 
the unfair card, I just never get. It's like, well, you know, that's fair. That's not, no, 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 no. You play the game to play the game. Quoting Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. <laughs> that's the whole point of what we're doing here. You, you know? know, it's life lesson, man. You know, that's one of the things you take from football. So you got to, you know, endure some tough times. And this is not even tough times. I mean, it really is. It's just you, you want to take a break and, you know, get rested up for Clemson. It's just not how it goes. No. It really isn't. So, like I always tell my daughter, suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> well she's probably tougher than some of some of some people that i know but anyway we'll we'll, we'll leave it there um <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you mentioned a second ago tyler davis not being very didn't play in that game a couple weeks ago and how we all know how and we talked about this countless times how big of a deal that was that he didn't get right. to play in that game so i ask you this question buddy um can clemson win the acc if they play notre dame again can they win the AC championship without Tyler Davis in that game? Of course they can. They can? Um, yeah, they can win this game. You may have to change a little bit of your scheme up as far as the defense concerned. I, I think that Tyler is definitely one of the anchors of the Clemson defensive line. Um, just a sophomore, but an incredibly impactful player that can make plays and do the little things that a lot of times you miss when you're watching the game, what he can do in the line of scrimmage, the penetration that he can do, the habit he can cost. So, yeah, it's always a big miss when you don't have a Tyler Davis. And then that really affects your depth as far as the defensive line. And as you know, in the NFL and also in college football, the defensive line depth is one of the most important things you can have on defense so missing a key player like that is not ideal at all but Clemson has some guys and they have some players you may not can do everything that you do with Tyler Davis but you can still play a team like Notre Dame and still win the ACC and although they lost to Notre Dame look at the situation it, it took them a double overtime to win that game against uh, a team in Clemson that was really basically in the mash. It? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like mash out there. If you remember that show, I do. I mean, everybody was hurt. So for Clemson to hang in there and really that third quarter, they pretty much shut them out. They really did. Uh, a few big plays here and there that is what undo Clemson. A big run, the second play of the game, that 75 yard uh, run. Uh, and I really believe that long pass um, in the fourth quarter uh, that got him down there in the red zone was really the killer. So if you come back, you, you gotta you gotta make sure that your strategy is not putting your guys on the line that you're not leaving some holes there that uh, experienced quarterback and experienced line can really take advantage of. It, but does Tyler Davis I mean, if he doesn't play, does it hurt you? Yeah, it, it does. But I think Clemson has enough power. And then also in a football game, it's what you do on offense, too, that helps your defense out. So I, I feel that with Trevor back in the game, reasonably we're thinking that Clemson has a better shot and a better chance to win it. So I feel that, yeah, they still can win it without Tyler Davis. 
But from defensive guys like me and you, Will, we want Tyler in there because we know how valuable he is and what he brings to the table. Yeah, because, you look, number 16 uh, and Trevor Lawrence is what I'm talking about is, you know, he he's definitely going to be a difference maker in the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, he's going to, you know, Dabo said this week that, you know, part of the reason why they couldn't run the football was because DJ was banged up a little bit in the shoulder and they didn't want to risk running him with the RPOs and the things of that nature. And it's almost like Notre Dame realized that early in the game and they really didn't respect it at all. And you could see that. And that explains why DJ wasn't running those plays and it wasn't, you know, I, I think some of us, including myself, kind of blamed that on maybe inexperience at times where he should have pulled the ball. But maybe he was instructed not to run it because, they were afraid that if he got hurt, what were they going to do now? Because then they would be down two quarterbacks. And um, I think that and, – and then obviously, you know, Tyson Pupachain, his hand, people forgot that, you know, he uh, broke his hand on his left hand. So he's not 100%. So I think that was the concern for Dabo why they decide not to run the ball as much. So Trevor, when he comes back, and they, if they do play Notre Dame – his RPO game is going to be a huge factor in that game because of what he's going to do. That's going to allow Etienne to, I think, run for more yards than 34. Let's just be honest. I think that's going to be uh, definitely something different about the game. However, you know, Tyler Davis, to me, being back and what he does, and you kind of, you know, said that so eloquently, um, the little things he does just where he takes up two guys, where mm-hmm. he, you know, um, he, he the way his technique is better than – than a freshman in Brian Brzee who's still learning to possession. That technique, being better at your technique, allows you to – causes more issues for an offensive lineman, for a guard or center, um, and, and maybe how he pushes back into the pocket and collapses that pocket. Um, and then that causes problems for the quarterback, Ian Book, who did a great job, I thought, you know, getting out of trouble, finding the open lanes and getting to those lanes. I don't think he gets to those lanes if Tyler Davis is there. I really don't believe it. Because Tyler right. Davis is so good, he's going to stick and move, and he's going to be able to close those lanes off, flush him back into his defensive ends and linebackers. Um, and and if you remember a couple years back in the, in the Cotton Bowl, that's what Clemson did to him. They really kind of collapsed the pocket, did not allow him to get outside or to find those open rush lanes, and that really kind of made him stay inside the pocket because I think if you keep him book inside the pocket, he's not as comfortable there. He's not as relaxed. And he right. likes to do things on the run. He likes to improvise. And um, so you take that away from him. And Tyler Davis, I think, would do that. Um, and that would be a big plus for Clemson if he's playing. Um, and, and we can't – we also got to add in the fact James Skowski not in the game too is, is a big deal because not only now you're taking away your, your nose guy, but you're also taking away your middle linebacker. So the middle of that Clemson defense is not the same at that point. And Notre Dame – they did what any team, good team's going to do. You're going to attack that. They rushed for 208 yards. They attacked Clemson in the A-gap all day long. Um, you're going to try to, you know, if Tyler Davis is not in there, I think they're going to try to do that. If Skowski's not in there, they're going to try to do that. Um, so basically having both those guys back, I think, would be so huge for Clemson. And, and to me, it's a touchdown or two-touchdown difference for Clemson if those two guys play, even more so than 16 because – Clemson put up 40 points without 16. Mm-hmm. I don't think they give up 47 if they got 13 and, and, and 47 in the game. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And and, and that's a former linebacker. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have heard about the linebackers at Pittsburgh, but really for us, the key guy was a guy named Joel Steve. 
and he was the nose guard. And Joel did such a great job of penetrating and making things happen that it was easier for the linebackers to make plays. So what I'm saying in essential, everybody thinks about sacks from a D-line perspective, but honestly, it's pressure. That's the thing that you always want to put on a quarterback because sacks, they're like runs in baseball. You, It's hard to get a sack or even two sacks. You almost have to luckily get one, but constant pressure is something that you can always apply. You're not going to always get sacks. That's not as important as getting pressure. And that's what Tyler Davis does. Uh, a good defensive line, they apply pressure and they make the quarterback um, go under distress. And they make him do things that he don't want to do, like throw off his back foot, not really not following through, not having those rush lanes. And when you have a defensive line that can do that, it makes everybody's job easier. And as we said before, if you really look at the Clemson defense, is it pretty goes pretty much goes in a pattern where you got guys up front that's probably going to the next level, no doubt about it. But the linebackers are they're they're good players, no doubt about it. But they're not they're probably not next level player. And then you look at your defensive backfield, and when when fans and people are just like, man, our DBs are not that good. Look at the history of our DBs in the last couple of years. You're talking about guys who go into the NFL. You're talking about guys who are actually players. They're, they're, they're trusted to cover man-to-man because of Venables and how proactive he is as a defensive coordinator and how much pressure he wants to get on you and how much he wants to put you um, behind the sticks, as we say. And what I mean by behind the sticks, that's second and 15, that's third and 19, something like that, where now you have to be a little bit more predictable. And I think in the Notre Dame game that we're talking about Tyler, when you have a piece that's missing, I don't care how much depth you have, it puts you at a disadvantage. And a lot of times you may have to adjust to that. And even if your next guy is pretty good, the next guy after him is not as good. Mm -hmm. So you can't provide the energy that you always do when you got your full arsenal. And Tyler Davis is probably one of the best defensive linemen in the ACC. And he's probably underrated. And he was underrated last year as a freshman. For a freshman to come in and play as well as Tyler Davis did, I mean, after losing all the studs you had before, man, that was a gift from the, from the football gods. And for him not to be 100%, you're not as good. I don't I don't care what kind of coordinator you are. I don't care what kind of scheme you go up there. You, you always essentially got to have the Jimmys and the Joes, man. You really do. You got to have guys who can go beyond your scheme. You got to have guys that can make plays regardless because a lot of times you're not going to be in the right scheme. You're not going to be in the right defense. So you need for guys who are great players to take over and to make plays. So you take a great player out of the game, it puts you, even a team like Clemson, at a disadvantage. And you mentioned earlier, and this is something that's, you know, some people get lost with defenses. Defensive football is about energy. Yes. And, and you got to come with energy and you got to play with energy. You know, talk to K.J. Henry uh, the other day, and K.J. 
told me, and I asked him, what do you miss the most about, you know, Tyler Davis not being in the lineup? And the first thing he said was, it's so underrated. What people don't understand is we miss his energy. Mm -hmm. He says, he says, Tyler brings so much energy to our defensive line that it really picks the rest of us up. That right there is a huge miss right now in that Clemson defensive line. And that, that more than anything, you know, we can talk about techniques and fundamentals and being a good football player. But when you hear one of his teammates say, we miss his energy and what he brings to the table. And then he talked about his maturity, obviously, and things of that nature. But to bring up energy is the first thing. And you just brought it up, why energy is so important as well. That just that tells you how much they're missing that young man. Um, uh, and I think Brent Venables would tell you that. Obviously, Dabo Sweeney's going to tell you that. Um, you know, it, it, he's been a big loss right now, not having him the last four games. And it's crazy, but they've only had him for two games this whole year, Georgia Tech and Miami, and that's yeah. it. And you saw the difference what he made in the Miami game and the Georgia Tech game and what he brings to the table. And when you miss a guy like that, yeah, you would say, well, why don't the other guys, you just got to pick up the energy. Well, the problem in that sometimes is when guys hear that, they feel like they have to do more than what's called for. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you're trying to make plays that you don't really supposed to make that, um, that honestly, if you do your job very well, everything would be fine. But a lot of times we say, well, everybody got to pick it up. It puts pressure on you and you cannot play with added pressure on you. Nobody can perform with at pressure. You know, I think a lot of times it's just best to recognize what's going on. And the guy that comes in there, he has to do a really good job of doing his job, not trying to do anything superheroic, but really just do his job. And you hope on defense, everybody flows. Everybody can, you know, everybody can play. But in the Clemson, in the Clemson um, perspective and on defense, man, you're not only missing Tyler Davis, but you're missing Scousey too. That is, I'm telling you, that's a big blow. And I think Jake is a good player, but he's not quite on Skowski's level. So some point in time in the game, you're going to lose a little something there. And you have to be, you know, you just have to be careful. But, you know, I, I think and I, I believe in the coaching staff at Clemson, you know, they probably watch the film and understand what they did wrong and how they can how they can correct this. So, yeah, I, I mean, I feel better when Tyler's in the game, but do I feel like they can win the ACC? Yeah, I, I really feel they can. Well, um, they're going to try to this week. Of course, they they head down to Tallahassee to, to play the Florida State Seminoles this week. This was a game, LeVon, that, man, for years here or in the early part of this decade was the game for Clemson every year. Um, right. The winner of this game from since 2009 – uh, to 2015 or uh, 2016, uh, represented the uh, Atlantic Division in the AC Championship game every year. Since 2011, one of these two teams have won the ACC every year. Um, you know, these this was the standard rivalry in the ACC until about 2017. Right. And then Florida State just kind of went downhill since then. And um, in those last three games against Clemson, the Tigers have won by an average of 32.3 points against the Seminoles, including that 
record-breaking 59 to 10 win in 2018 that is still the most points scored against Florida State at Dope Campbell Stadium. It's the largest margin of victory against Florida State at Dope Campbell Stadium. Um, you know, it's just um it's just a shame that uh Florida State's kind of fallen on hard times and you know, I don't know, man, um what's wrong down there in Tallahassee? What what's missing? You know, what's happened to this program that when you were around, you know, they're one of the top programs in the history of college football when you played and they stayed that way for years and years and decades almost afterwards. And, you know, what's going on here in the last three or four years with this uh, program down there? Well, I I think it it all started when Bobby Bowden um, was really his power kind of diminished. I mean, diminished from the team. I think when anytime you think about a college football team, you think about the winning programs, there's no doubt in my mind, it's always a good head coach there, a supremely good head coach. And he was that. Mm-hmm. He was before his time. Uh, this team went on a tear for a long time in the ACC. But even before that, Tommy Bowden had really good teams. They recruited very well. They were innovative when they needed to be. They did a lot of different things that kept them on top. So he was, in my opinion, a great CEO of a team. You know, good offensive coordinators, good defensive coordinators. Broad, I mean, they were really great on special teams too, which I think a lot of people kind of forget mm-hmm. in the mix. And then once he left, it started kind of deteriorating, you know. And it came to a point of what you're seeing right now which, you know, they've had four coaches in the last several years, four coaches. At one time, it was just all um, Bobby Bowden Mm -hmm. at one time. Now it's been Jimbo Fisher. um, It's been, uh, what's his name? Willie Uh, Taggart. Willie. It's been Norville. Yeah. And then the interim guy in between. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of guys, you know. We always, you know, we always talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and how they only had three coaches. As long as they've been around, Florida State has had three coaches in the last few years. That means uh, there's a different uh, there's a different reign, a different a different group every year, and that can take a toll on players. And then you know, um, I think Jimbo he kind of left. You know, after that championship game that they won, I don't think that program was ever the same. A lot of times you can have you, you you can have good players and your teams are winning, but then the leadership is not there and they're not the same. Mm-hmm. So I think once he they kind of won that national championship, although they were although they were a good team still, they were not the same team. Florida State wasn't at one time in the nineties. Man, you did not want to play Florida State at all because you knew what time it was. They had the horses. They were going to beat you to death, and that was pretty much it. But, you know, after a while, man, if you don't really stay on top of it, people will start catching up. And I just feel that once – I don't want to really blame it on Jimbo, but it's probably a combination of things. You know, I think the discipline wasn't there. I think they let Winston probably get away with so much because he was such a good player. And it just really started to break down from the foundation to what you have now 
where because all the things that were in place are not in place now, it's just really tearing down now. And it really, they almost seem to be snake bitten in a lot of ways. I mean, would we have dare say five years from now that Florida State would be second to last as far as the ACC standards are concerned? No. We would never, we would have never ever saw that coming. But as we as we sit here today talking in Zoom in a pandemic, Florida State is just not a good program. I would say, I would dare say they are a second tier program, maybe even third tier program, to be quite honest with you. And with all the injuries they had have had this year and the new regime. It's tough at Florida State, man. It's tough for those guys. It's going to take a long building. Um, it's going to take almost, you know, taking that house down and rebuilding it again. Yeah, I mean, they're, they, they are in that situation where they basically almost have to rebuild. I mean, they're down to their – they're down to, like, their the fourth, uh, fourth guy now at quarterback. They've had different guys play quarterback. Uh, I mean, Blackman left. I mean, um, the last quarterback just got hurt. So there are, and Travis is going to be the guy now, and he's been kind of hurt too. Mm -hmm. So, and now you're playing against a Clemson Tiger um, team that just lost their last game. They're going to be very hungry to get back on top again. So, yeah, I just think Florida State, you know, they, they fall victim of when you lose that great leader. You lose that head coach. And the head coach means so much more, I think, in college football than anything else. I, well, you know, honestly, I would have to say that a head coach means a whole lot. If you don't have that guy who can lead and who can motivate and who can take you to the second level, you're not going to be as good. And they, when they lost Tommy Bowden, you know, that's when they, and they're still searching <laughs> for that guy that can help this program it's and that goes to show you man uh, a good head coach man is special and it's hard to find and when you have one you you do everything you can to make sure especially if he's a good person that you keep that guy um you keep that guy happy <laughs> so he can keep you happy and he can keep that money flowing through there and and if you don't have that you're going to run into issues like Florida State, they're scrambling to find the right guy. Yeah, all uh, all uh, Dabo uh, Sweeney uh, is what <laughs> is what we're talking about on that one because um, that I mean you just described Dabo, you know how important he is, and and Dabo is is a lot like Bobby Bowden was at Florida State, and and all the things he did there. When I look at what happened with this Florida State program, I go back to um, I guess it would have been right around um, two thousand and. Uh, 17 uh, that's when you know for a couple of years prior to that Jimbo Fisher had warned the people down in Tallahassee that hey look Clemson's a sleeping giant mm -hmm. Dabo's doing things up there that are taking to another level and if we don't stay with them they're going to pass us people really didn't listen to him down there administration didn't listen to him that he want there's things he wanted to do that there's like no 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 we don't need to do that and he he was like you do because I know what's going on at Clemson I know what they're doing and that's who we got to stay caught up with because that's who the two teams are and he knew 
we got to stay up with Clemson if we want to compete in the ACC. And they didn't listen to him. Right. And, 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 and it's all arrogance. They, they were. And so Jimbo, I think he kind of got frustrated. I think yeah. he, at that time, he decided, you know what? I'm done. And you could see that really from a like deuces, baby. Yeah. You could see that. <laughs> you could see that from a recruiting standpoint where he stopped recruiting on the offensive and defensive lines, which was we just talked about is huge. Um, that's where that's how you build football teams. And you started to see that start taking place at Florida State. And they gradually started slipping. And then when those things got bad, then quarterback play gets bad because that affects quarterback play, especially when the offensive line's not good. Um you know, and then you started to see those dominoes fall. Jimbo leaves. He takes the job at Texas A&M. Everybody's like, why is Jimbo going to leave and go to Texas A&M? Why wouldn't he? Because he knew. Yeah, he knew. He saw the writing on the wall. He saw what was going on there. And sure enough, after he leaves and they all start seeing what's going on at Clemson and what Clemson's doing, then they're like, oh, we got to fix this. Well, it's too late now. Yeah. Now it's too late. Now you're behind. I think all I think it's always important that you recognize who you are and you take an honest assessment of where you are, whether you're in business or whatever, or if it's a personal thing. You have to take a true look at what's going on. And if you don't take a truthful look, you're going to lie to yourself. And you're going to say, well, we're here when you actually are not and I think that's really the case of Florida State or any team or any business that kind of falls apart. They really never took a true look at who they are. And Florida State did not take a look because they've been so dominant for so long. And it's so easy to fall into that trap where you're just saying, you know, we're good. We're Florida State. By magic and by faith, we'll get it done. But you don't get the if you wait around for fate to happen, you're gonna be very disappointed. So you can't wait around for fate. You you gotta you gotta get down to the grindstone and understand who you are and where you want to go. And you gotta make sure that you are emphasizing that at all times. Clemson was hungry to be where they are right now, and you had the guy, the right guy at place where you know, he, he put the right offense coordinator, the right defense. He got the right players, and he had that vision. Um, I guarantee you that Dabo probably did what they call reverse engineering, knowing where you want to be and then working yourself to get there. Florida State has been, you know, that blueprint has been in place for some, for some time, and then now the blueprint is not working. That means you have to catch up with the times, you have to make sure that you're still building. And in college football, you have to always build in college football. You can't just say, oh, we got these great facilities. You know what you got to be saying? We got to build more facilities. We got to get better. Because once you stop building in college football, that's when you start falling. So you are always constantly building on your program. And when you're when your growth stops, then it's time to get somebody else in there. It is when 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 it's not where it is where the standard is, then that regime has to leave. And I think that Florida State got to a point that they were just not building anymore. 
they were just kind of happy where they were. You know, they won a couple of national championships. They've been dominant. But now, boy, they've fallen on some hard times. They got complacent. I think that's yeah. the, the best way to say it. They, they got complacent. Um, we, we saw that happen at Clemson, um, where Clemson had a span, I believe, talking with Terry Don Phillips one day, and I believe he told me that uh, they went from – this is before he got there um, – from 1989, this is in oh, Death Valley. From glory days. When they built those club seats and all, remember when they first built? Yeah. 1989 to like 2001 before they did any kind of major renovations or any kind of work to Memorial Stadium. And that, if you take that timeline and realize during that time was also one of the, I wouldn't say darkest days because they had some decent teams during that era, but Clemson wasn't dominant like it was in the eighties. I mean, it, it just, it just wasn't, you know, and, um, and it's no coincidence that once Clemson started rebuilding again and building new facilities, the West End Zone in 2006, think about that. They built that up. I think it opened up in 2008, 2009. And then the indoor practice facility and then the Allen Reese football complex. It's no coincidence you look at the rise of Clemson that all these things kind of go together. And when Clemson built that West End Zone and made that move to say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put new lockers in, new locker rooms, new weight room. We're going to build this club level. We're going to do all these things. When they did that, that's when you started to see the Clemson program turn around. Um, and I think with Florida State, like you said, they got complacent, man. They just did. And, uh, yeah. and I think that now we're seeing the result of that. They're trying to play catch-up now. And when you're trying to play catch-up, it's never good. It's going to take a while. Like you said, you're going to have to bring a coach in there. Whether it's uh, Norville, we'll find out. You know, And you've got to give him time. You can't say in three years, he hasn't won. We need to get him out the window. Well, you didn't right. give him a good foundation to start off with. So he's got to build that foundation up first and then start building the program back. Yeah, you got to see constant improvement. When you got a new coach in, are the players, you know, will the players fight for him? It's one of the questions that you always got to ask. I think when the players stop fighting for you, that's when you may need to take a step and say, you know what, uh, he's not the right guy for this program. Because we talked about the facilities, but you can't just build facilities and still have the same furniture. So what I'm saying is, if you buy a new house, you can't take your furniture with you. My wife taught me that lesson. Like We had a, a new house, and I'm thinking, we can take some of this stuff. And she's like, no. <laughs> you know, from the stuff that means a lot to us, we can take to the new house. But this main furniture has to go. We got to get new furniture. And... I think like it, a woman. <laughs> I think it makes so much sense, though. It does. Because, you know, you, you can build a facility, but if you got the same leadership or lack of leadership or, you know, it doesn't agree from the top to the bottom, you just basically got old furniture. And I have to say with Clemson, though, everybody kind of bought into the vision. Mm-hmm. You think about it. It takes everybody to buy in the vision. You can't have a good head coach and a bad AD is not going to work. Right. You can't have a good coach, a good AD, and a bad president. It's not going to work. From the president, from the board of trustees, to the the AD, to the head coach, it has all got to be 
on the same page and the same vision. If you got that going, you can build those new facilities because you know you got a coach that's bringing in the players and not only bringing in the players, but also developing the players. There's so much that goes on with football right now that is not as simple as it was when I played. You're talking about down to nutrition, down to the the strength and conditioning coach, Paul Journey, everything. It has got to be on a high level, especially if you're talking about a playoff system and you want to be in the playoffs. If you want to be in the playoffs, man, and people are talking about you want more teams in the playoffs, I don't know if I quite agree with that, even though I would love to see more playoff football. Mm -hmm. I would. But from – it's only really, honestly, I think, really three really good teams, you know, that are on that level. Everybody else is not. <laughs> it's plain and simple. They're not on that level. No, you're, I think you're all those dominoes, right? Then you're going to be left out of conversation a whole lot. No, um, I, I think you're right. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I think, you know, Florida State, just like anybody else, man, they, they wouldn't really line up from the top to the bottom. And they quit building. All that success that Florida State has had over the 90s, the 2000s, even before that in the 80s, man, that was Tommy Bowden continuously building on their success. They got to a point where they got tired. Maybe Jimbo tried to warn them. And then he was just like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> He's like, they don't want to listen to me. It's time for my exit plan. It's time for, and maybe, you know, people say, well, he quit on us. Not before you guys quit on him. Mm-hmm. Not before you quit on him. So, hey, you know, you know, I always said, man, people are going to meet their needs, man. <laughs> They're going to. So he basically said, like, you know what? I need to get on out of here because this ship is about to go down and I'm not going to go down with it. <laughs> that's exactly- and that's what basically happened to Florida State. And now they're scrambling. They're scrambling in a bet when you don't see improvement. So now people don't really want to invest. Why? We, we, we're bad. Why would I want to invest? You know? Mm-hmm. Now it's where you see a dedicated people that has to come in and step up because the normal folks that you would normally get, the casual folks, they're not trying to invest anymore. They're just like, this product sucks. Now they have to, now you got to show them results. <laughs> And if you don't show them results, they're not going to give back. So even with Clemson, this could happen to Clemson University too. You got to continue to build. If you don't build, then you're going to be left behind. And trust me, it is hard when you get out of shape trying to get back into shape. Man, that's a great point. And I think if Clemson's learned anything, you hope they learn from their past because they – they did stop building and they did fall back and it took them about 20 years to get back on top again. And now they're, uh, they're reaping the benefits of that fruit, I guess. Um, real quick, before we go here, um, we just talked about how bad shape FSU is in and um, you know, where that program is. So if you're Clemson, you're a 32 and a half point favorite. What do you want to see this week? If you're Dabo Sweeney and you're Brent Venables and Tony Elliott, what do you want to see out of your football team, out of your offense, and out of your defense this week? 
Can I say what I mean in my mentality? Uh, you got to go down there and you got to beat their brains out and you got to keep them down until they're just like, we don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to see um, as far as your football team is concerned. And I know that sounds a little cruel, but in the game of collision football, that's just the way it has to be. When you have, a, you cannot ever give a team that you're supposed to beat by 32 a chance of breathing. So what you do is you go in there and you you beat them and you beat them early until you know and you look in their eyes and say, well, they quit. So honestly, and let's, let's put it in nice terms, you want to see execution at a very, very high level. And you want to see physicality at a very high level, doing what you've been practicing and doing it right and improving from two weeks ago. So you want to see improvement. You want to see players with high energy and understanding that, you know, we're still on the run. We, we had a setback, but this is a time to right the ship. And if you do that, you're going to be absolute fine. But in my crew linebacker way of thinking, <laughs> you're, this game here is like we're ripping everything apart, man. You, you, let me tell the folks out there. If you're not aggressive, you're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. You have always got to be, especially in this game, you've got to be aggressive. If you've got to take it to folks. Because if you don't and you give people the opportunity to play with you, now they're playing above their heads. And that's always trouble. I go back to the North Carolina game. <laughs> when we played North Carolina last year, we let those guys stick around and they started playing outside their mind. And now you're in real trouble because they got all the energy and they got the momentum. The law of momentum works for the winning team. The winning team always get the breaks. They always get the calls. You ever notice that? Mm-hmm. They do. So you want to keep the law of momentum on your side. You don't want it to go to the other side because then that's when some freaky things start happening. So in this game, what I'm looking for is, and I mean, lack of being nice is total domination. They're down. We have to keep them down. Yeah, and it's it's been a while. It's been a good month since we've seen Clemson just totally dominate somebody, and that was Georgia Tech. Coincidentally, right. Trevor Lawrence was playing. Tyler Davis was playing. I mean, it's been a month. Believe it or not, it's been a month since Trevor Lawrence has played in a football game. A month. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, missed two games and then had an open date. Um, so, I want to see him come out and have some energy. I want to see him come out and be that Heisman Trophy guy that everybody thinks he still is and and really show people that have dropped him in the Heisman Trophy race what they're missing. Um, right. You know, I think he's got an opportunity to hear these next three weeks and then maybe an AC championship game to – I think turn the table on the Heisman Trophy race. I really do believe that, and so um, we'll see uh, what he does there. And then also, I'm interested to see what uh, what happens with um, uh, with the defense and with Tyler Davis and those guys, and how do they respond when they come out? You know, are they going to be um, as dominant and coming? You know, after what happened and how they lost that game and how a lot of it was put on the defense. How does the defense respond? Do they come out and just dominate the way they should? So I'm with you, man. Dominate the football game, 
uh, just go out there and show people, you know, who's the better team. Uh, as always, man, appreciate you. Uh, appreciate the hard work you do for us. And, um, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see uh, – talk about a net win next week for the Tigers, and uh, we'll see uh, how they do as they go down to Tallahassee um, for uh, a, a, I won't say a big game, but it's a big game in the sense that this is the first game Clemson's had since that Notre Dame game. So let's see how they play. Um, but, yeah, no. or, but man, hey man, we'll let you uh, get on out of here. But thanks again for being with us, buddy. As always, and a good, another good show. All right, thank you so much. I appreciate it.